Hello, welcome to Ignited Youth. We are happy to see you and hope you enjoy our episode today. Connect with us through Instagram at bvcc.youth. If you would like to submit an anonymous question or have a prayer request, please click on the link in the description. Without further ado, here is today's episode. So we started this journey. We started this journey on relationships a couple weeks ago. And uh, we called it, it's complicated because that's really what relationships are. Even if you're dating or not, even if you plan to date, or even just having friends around, friends are complicated. Friends and relationships are complicated since you're in elementary. As you grow up and you think junior high will be different and it's not. High school is not. And you think, man, as soon as I grow old, and I get married, all my relationship problems are done and they're fixed, and it's not. And so how can we deal with one of the biggest and most important relationships on earth, which is relational? And because it's so complicated, we see other people, how they date and how they think about relationships and We try to copy them, we try to mimic, we try to mirror what they do. And they fail. And they don't have it really all together. They don't have all the answers. And if you go on relationship uh, uh, and you ask somebody else, hey man, what what did you do in this scenario? They're probably gonna tell you some really bad advice. So the best thing is to go back into what God has to say about relationships. And so if you don't want your relationship to look like everyone else, then we just need to stop dating like everyone else. If you want your relationship to be better, stop trying to mimic everyone else. And let God start aligning things in your life. So remember, dating is, if you're dating or you're planning a date or one day you're like, man, I'm, I'm going to look for that person. Dating is an evaluation stage, not your destination. Dating is a time where you evaluate, man, is this person a match? Am I going to link up to this person? Because it matters. It's not your final destination. You're not like, oh, man, all I want to do is just date. That's not where your final destination should be. So it matters the way you live. It matters the way you behave yourself. It matters your patterns. And you one day are, are, you know, might think that you'll change your bad patterns until you meet the right person. And if you have bad patterns now, they'll just magnify 10 times more when you're in a relationship. So if you have a bad attitude now, when you hook up, Man, they're going to be the worst. If they're toxicos now, oh my goodness, run with your friends. And they're like, you didn't call me 10 minutes ago and I just saw you. I know you're on social media. And you haven't picked up my phone call. You haven't texted. Don't, don't, don't even start. Because it will magnify 10 times more. And then when you get married, it just, so the more committed you are, the more exposed you become. So you have to remember that your bad behaviors is something you have to deal with before you start in a relationship 
with someone. You won't change when you meet the right one. We'll just hurt them more. We'll hurt those people around us. And so tonight we're going to be talking about purity. And we're going to talk about this area in our lives which we have to be pure, pure hearted. And we're going to see a passage in Genesis 2.25. Genesis 2.25, you open up your Bibles in Genesis. Now, if you keep on scrolling, you haven't opened your Bible lately. But Genesis is the first book of the Bible. So you should find it right there. It's like the first parking spot. You should, you should, you should be able to find it right there. Genesis 2, verse 25. And something that I, this verse caught my attention was because the word of God says this, Adam and his wives were both naked. Now, if you haven't heard that word in church, you're like, oh, my God, can you just say naked? It's in the Bible. I'm just reading. So I'm, you know, if you feel offended, I'm sorry, but I'm sure you heard worse. Um, Adam, and, <laughs> Adam and his wife were both naked. But this is, the, this is the interesting part. And they felt no shame. They were naked and they felt no shame. So what happens versus later, what happens in the next chapter when God is looking for Adam and says, hey, where are you? We have to do our daily talk. And he says, I'm afraid. So I hid. I heard you. It's like when your parents are calling you and you're like, uh-huh, yeah. You're trying to avoid. So Adam is trying to avoid a conversation with God. Why? Because we're going to read in verse 7 in chapter 3, then the eyes of both of them were open and they realized they were naked. So they, sued, they, they sold fig, fig leaves and gathered them together to cut themselves. So what made a difference from chapter 2 to chapter 3? They were naked the whole time. So what happened? Sin. Sin made them feel ashamed. Sin made them hid from God's face. Sin, when sin enters the story, it made them feel unworthy. It made them feel dirty. It made them feel embarrassed. It made them feel like they needed to hide. When sin enters your story, it'll take everything that's pure, everything that is beautiful, and will make you want to hide from God. And sometimes we're trying to make us feel better by trying to look for someone to love us and tell us things are going to be okay. But that person cannot make us better because they're not God. Because we don't have just a lonely issue. We have a sin issue. And a sin issue can only be dealt with through the blood of Jesus Christ. It's through a repentance of sin. It's coming to Jesus saying, God, I'm sorry for what I've done. I acknowledge that I've done something bad and forgive me of everything that I've done. See, it's a sin issue. 
the reason why they hid was because not because they made a mistake. It was a sin. Sin happened. And I believe in order for you and for me and in your relationships and in your marriages and in your future, in order for you to live the purpose, life and the, and the things that God wants from you, it has to come out from a place of purity. In order for you to live who you really are and experience God's totality of who he is as God creator, it has to come out of a place of purity. But what I've noticed is that in today's church, most Christians desire purity too little and they desire it too late. They desire purity too little and they desire it too late. They don't want to be holy. They just want to be okay for someone to like them. And they desire it too late. When you're my age in the 40s, you're thinking, man, now I want to live okay for God with all this baggage. Now, God, forgive me. And you feel like you're just damaged goods because you've done so many mistakes. And sometimes people don't even come back to God because they're thinking, I've done so many bad decisions in my relationships. Why would God love someone like me? God can always forgive you. But in today's church, we don't talk about purity as much. We don't talk about, so people don't desire it, say so little and too late. But as I read the Bible, as I read scripture, I'm always looking of how God has a big emphasis on sexual purity because it's a big deal. See, this purity, this pure heart, it's a big deal. It's a big deal when you're single and it's a big deal when you're married. It's a big deal when you're single and it's a big deal when you're dating. It's a big deal when you're young and it's a big deal when you're old. Purity doesn't stop when you start dating. Purity doesn't stop when you get married. Purity, it continues on and it should continue on in your life. Because staying pure is not just not having sex until you get married. It's more than that. If, if, if marriage would fix purity, then God would give us rings, not the cross. So marriage doesn't fix a pure heart. And so we're going to look what Matthew says in Matthew 5. Because a pure heart is so important to God. You staying pure is so important to God. Because Matthew says, Matthew is 5 is Jesus' first sermon. is the first time he actually stands up and talks in front of a crowd and he gives all these things of how people will be blessed. And verse eight of Matthew five, it says, blessed are the pure in heart for they will see God. Only you that have a pure heart will see God. Some of you guys are like, oh, I'm in trouble. <laughs> 
Oh my goodness, I didn't know that part. I think my Bible was missing that, that part of the Bible. I never read that one. Having a pure heart is a big deal. It's a real big deal. Because in Psalms 24 verse 4, it will reveal two things why it's so important. And this is going to start giving us a, 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 a foundation of our class tonight, of being pure. Psalms 24, 4. Psalms, Old Testament, if you, most Bibles, if you open them right in the middle of the Bible, you'll find Psalms. Psalms 24, verse 4. Uh, we're actually going to start in verse 3. It says, who may ascend to the mountain of the Lord? Who will stand in the holy place? The one who has clean hands and pure heart. Who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false God. So clean hands, pure heart. Two things you must have to stand in the mountain of the Lord, to stand in the holy place. Two things, clean hands. Do this, guys. Stay, stay, stay with me. Show me clean hands. Do this, do this for me. Clean hands. Okay, pure heart. Clean hands, pure heart. Amazing. Two things. One is visible, one is not. Sometimes we park on the first one, and we think purity is what people can see. Clean hands. Well, I've only did it one person at a time. I'm not a cheater. I don't play around people, so I'm good. Clean hands. I don't lie. In my relationships, you know, I don't, I don't lie to the other person. I'm faithful. Clean hands. But how's your heart? You can do all the right things. Clean hands. Which is fine. We need clean hands. But we forget about the pure heart. Meaning, we always push for people not to have sex before marriage. That's biblical. You need to stay a virgin. And if you made a mistake and you made errors, give it to God. And he'll restore you. He'll love you. He'll accept you back. But a lot of people stay there. Well, I'm still okay. I'm still good. But they have a dirty heart. Pure hands. Clean hands, pure heart. They both matter. It's not just doing the right things. It's having the right heart. It's not just coming to church. It's coming to his throne. It's coming to his mountains, coming to this holy place with a clean heart, asking God, to purify you, asking God to clean you, asking God to help you with those lustful thoughts, those images you've seen, or those pictures you stay too long to see. You need to give it to God. Those things that you do behind closed doors when nobody's around, those thoughts that you have when you're all by yourself, that's the thing that you need to give God. Give your clean hands, amen. That's awesome. But your clean heart, your pure heart, because your pure heart is going to determine 
if you see God or not. James 2.19 is a reference because when people start dating, they look at people that are nice people, right? You girls like, I want a nice guy. Who wants a nice guy? Nobody wants a nice guy. Oh my gosh, please, please pray for a nice guy if you're not dating, Lord. Everybody wants a nice guy. Guys, you guys want, want a good girl, right? Oh my gosh, nobody wants a good girl or a good guy. Yes, one person. Thank you for being honest. Thank you. Um, and so we look at that and we stay there. We base and judge who we're going to date based if they're nice people. But don't just stare at what's physical. Ask, how's their heart? Do you have any baggages that I should know about? Do you have any bad patterns I should be aware about? But they're cute. That's okay. That's important. But ask, how's their heart? But they believe. Well, so do demons. And they tremble. At least they tremble. I don't know about this guy. See, this is the thing. We look at the outer appearance and we, we, we set a tone of who we should be linked up with, walk life with, based on the outer appearance. God says, that's good. I need clean hands. But pure heart? If you find someone with clean hands and pure heart, fight for that person. Don't let them go. But you have to have both. See, I remember when I was young and younger, and um, I asked my mom for permission to go out. She would say, yeah, just go clean your room. <laughs> That's it, man, oh my God. I would grab everything and jam it in the closet. I would. Oh man, I would start picking up my room, and she's like, you almost done? I was like, yeah, mom, hold on, hold on. Because my friends would come and pick me up. So I was like, man, I'm, I, I gotta hurry up and clean my room. I'll grab things. I'll everything that I was out of place and I would jam it in my closet. I would jam it where, where things where she wouldn't see it. She would come in and I was like, mom, good? She's like, yeah. Man, I, I would run out hoping she would not dare look at my closet. Purity is what's in your closet. Purity is those things that you're hiding that you want nobody to see. Pure heart is those things that you hide because you're ashamed, because of sin. And those are the things we need to give God because he says, you want to have that relationship with me? It's not just doing the right things, it's having a pure heart. See, Exodus is Old Testament, so just go back to Exodus 28 verses 42 and 43. It's one of these verses and chapters that are interesting to figure out. See, some of these things are the ones we skip on our daily plan. So if you ever started reading your Bible and you hit this part of Exodus and then you're like, okay, this is the boring part, man. I'm going to skip over. This is, this is one of them. And you're like, oh, my God, I'm going to say, no, I'm only going to use it as a reference. I'm not going to camp here too long. 
But it's amazing because in Exodus, the whole chapter, chapter 28, is the concept of what God wants the priest, people that are going to come into the temple and represent God and bring offerings and bring sacrifices. Chapter 28 is the way they need to look before they come into the holiest of holies. Because God, you have to remember this, guys. God is the same God. The only reason why you're still alive right now. And as you walked in, if you didn't come with a clean heart and you didn't die, the only reason is because of Jesus Christ. But if we walk in into God's presence with sin, oh my Lord, man, we'll, we won't have a service, we'll have funerals. And so God is telling Moses, Moses, you got to warn your brother, man. You got to tell Aaron and his children that before they come and represent me, they have to look a certain way. So verses 20, the whole chapter 28, God starts telling Moses they need to have this robe and this kind of clothes and this things. And then it, it, it just it just at the end of this chapter, verse 42, it says, make linen undergarments as a covering for their bodies. He gets to the detail of telling them what kind of underwear they should wear. And it's like, just kind of blew my mind. Like, okay, God, you're, at, you're telling them to look a certain way, but you don't miss out even the things that nobody sees. You have to wear everything that God tells you to, even the things that nobody sees. In order to come to God's presence, you have to be pure in hands, clean hands, and pure heart. Don't walk into God's presence with a perverted heart. Before you come, before you get to this place of sitting here and just is have that time with God. Ask him. That's why we did communion. That's why we do all these elements. That's why we have worship. Why? It's those moments where you can connect with God saying, man, God, I'm not, I'm not where I should be. I need for you to forgive me. I need for you to clean my heart. And it's amazing because all these things that God is telling Moses here on verse 20 on 42 is really important because it gets to the detail where God's saying, if you don't have this, they could die. Bear down to the things that nobody sees. Now, they can fool anybody. You can't fool God. So what God was telling Moses is if one of your nephews fall dead, because they weren't wearing their underwears. And I told them they need to wear everything. You come in here and go, man, I go to church, God, and God comes back on the second coming, and you didn't confess those sins, you're done. But I went to church. You're like, yeah, but with a perverted heart. Yeah, sure you did. Okay, never confessed them. The only sin God won't forgive are the unconfessed ones. God's presence is so critical. When we come into God's presence, it means 
surrender. It means clean. It means handing over every part of our lives to him. So how do you live a pure heart? How do you live a pure, how do you live in this pure heart, how this life looks like? Well, Paul will explain it in, and we kind of been tossing this scripture all day today, 2 Timothy 2.2. How do you live with this pure heart? Paul will explain it in 2 Timothy 2.2. And we're going to learn three things from this verse. Three things. 2 Timothy 2.2. We're going to learn three things in how to live with a pure heart. Paul says, flee the evil desires of your youth and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. First thing, guys, in order to have a pure heart, what does that look like? You need to run away from evil. Run. Flee. Flee. You know, it's interesting how Paul doesn't say fight against evil. It says flee into the direction of God. Into righteousness, holiness, pure love. He says run. If you don't know the story in Genesis 39, it talks about Joseph. And he is framed by Potiphar's wife. Potiphar is in charge of Egypt at that point. And this man was pretty dang good looking. Enough that Potiphar's wife started flirting with him. Tried to give him a little hug longer than what she should have. That boy ran. He didn't sit there and go, let me pray for you. <laughs> let's, let's have a, a devotional on your attitude. Going to text everyone so that we can pray and invite you to church because you need to come to church. Boy ran. He flee. He fled. Sometimes we try, and people always, as in ministry that we've been in, I have teens, I have adults, I have people come and go, man, Jerry, I need for you to pray for me because I'm fighting, man, I'm struggling against this sin. And I'm like, that's your problem. You're fighting. You're not letting God fight for you. You need to run as far as you can into God's presence and let him fight for you. You're doing all the fighting. And when you do all the fighting, I promise you, you will lose. You're fighting against your flesh. You're fighting against your lust. You're fighting against those images. You're fighting against those bad patterns. You are the one fighting, and that's the problem. You think you're stronger than God. You think you have the solution. It's my life. I can date whoever I want to. I'll change him. I'll change her. I like him. I like her even though that person is not the right person for you. We need to run away from evil. So how do you do that? Well, you remove anything that triggers you to fall. 
Bible says that if your hand is causing you to fall, clear it off. Your eye is causing you to fall, pluck it out. Because it's better for you to walk into heaven without a hand, without one eye. Sorry, I pointed the wrong one. <laughs> than to go into heaven or go into hell with everything. It's better for you to plug or cut everything. Cut everything in your life that's causing you to fall even on the good day. David, King David, should have been in battle. The reason why he fell with Bathsheba in sin, committed adultery, and murdered her husband. That guy was devoted. Jeez. Why? He should have been in war, fighting God's battles. He decided to be lazy and stay in his palace. Anything that's causing you to fall, cut it. Cut it. Even if it's on a good day. Because maybe you're saying, man, well, hey, I got my social media. I pray for people on social media. Man, people send me, man, I, man, I, I wake up, Jerry. I wake up in the morning and I put on Instagram all the things God has done. Man, I'm even quoting your sermon. And I pray for people. I invite people to church. I connect with the lost. Isn't that good? Yeah. But what happens in those days where you're not having a good day? And you stay somewhere you shouldn't stay. Viewing something you shouldn't view. Staying longer. Or hoping something comes up. Cut it. Cut it. It's not worth it. Cut things. Flee from anything that stops you from honoring God. Stop it, even if it's good. Even if it's good. If it's costing you to sin one day out of five, you're like, what, man? But out of five, I'm good. Did that one time he has a bad attitude? That one time he screams at me. Typically, he's okay. That one time he looks at other girls. It's not as often, but hey, get rid of him. He ain't worth it. You're a child. You're, you're a princess. You're a child of the king. Give yourself value. He's a chump. He doesn't need you. Oh, you don't need him or her. We have to flee from sin. So what are we amputating today, church? What are, what are we cutting from our lives today? Like, ah, oh, well, <laughs> nothing. I mean, come on, Jerry, that's kind of drastic. Yeah, it is. But if you're not willing to be set free from God, then stop asking him to deliver you. Don't sit here and go, I need prayer, if you don't want to obey. Don't ask for prayer. Clean hands. Because some people like to be broken because it's more attractive. Clean hands. I'm asking for prayer, Jerry. 
And God's saying, man, I've already told you what's the answer. You need to cut that and that and that and that. You're like, yeah, I can't. That's a pure heart issue. What are those things that you need to cut from your life? And I think how to stay with fleeing from your desires is don't flirt with sin. Don't flirt with people that you should never link up with. If they're not people that are with the same faith, they're not people that are walking with you with the same purpose, then don't, don't end up with them. Don't flirt with sin. So think about this, and I'm going to use this verse in Proverbs 18.22. He says, he who finds a good wife finds a good thing and receives favor from the Lord. All the girls are like, yeah. It's true. Everybody wants a good wife. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. And God says, I like that. But what you have to understand is this. This verse is saying, he who finds a good wife. That means that girl was already acting like a wife, acting with respect, having boundaries before she became a wife. I think it just, okay. So, <laughs> pretend you're in a relationship right now. Pretend you're married. If those messages, you're messaging someone right now, is not acceptable when you're in a dating relationship or married, then don't do it. If you're having conversations with people that you couldn't have because you're dating someone or you're married with someone, then don't have them. You need to act with respect. You need to act in holiness. So when the right person comes, you're ready. You're not going to get ready when that right person comes. You will hurt them. You will hurt them. And it could be the right person. Proverbs says, he who finds a good wife. You have to act already in the place which God has called you. You cannot flirt with sin. You cannot. Number two, and we're looking at this verse here. It says, flee from every evil desire of your youth, and what? Pursue righteousness, faith, and love, and peace. Number two there that we learn is purity is not a place you reach. It's a pursuit of Jesus. Purity is not a place that you reach. It's not when you're stopping that sin. It's a pursuit of Jesus. The more you pursue Jesus, the more pure you become. It's not just stopping, it's not just stop doing that thing. It's a pursuit in a relationship with God. You lose when you think you've arrived. You will lose when you think you've arrived. When you think you've, you've arrived in a place of certain holiness, you already lost. You will lose when you think you don't need God anymore. You don't need to come to church anymore. You don't need to pray so devoted anymore. You don't need to be in the scripture anymore. And you stop little by little and you park yourself on the side and go, man, I made it. Is when you lose. 
Because purity is not a destination. It's a pursuit of life to Jesus. Because eventually you will fall if you stop. Eventually you will fall if you stop. The moment you stop praying, the enemy will enter your life. The moment you stop searching God is when those thoughts start penetrating. See, what God does is that he protects you. And the more you're in pursuit of holiness and righteousness and who he is, everything around you starts, starts clearing your life. The moment you stop, it comes right back in. That's why you see people so fired up for God, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Boom, one minute it's like, what the heck happened to this person? They're no longer in church. They were so fired up. They were so devoted. What happened? Because they slowly stopped pursuing Jesus and they fell. Uh, so think about this. If the guy never calls you, he's not interested. But he called me like a month ago. He's not pursuing you. You're not the one. He's probably got somebody else around. If he is not looking for you, how are you doing? How's your day? And there's no constant communication. Somebody else has his attention. When you are in that relationship with God, you're like, man, God, but I love you. And you're like, really? Because we don't talk. Let me say it this way. Okay, so there's 168 hours in a week. If you come on Sunday mornings, that's two hours in church. Let's say you're extra holy, so you come at 930. That's an extra hour. And you want to double dip because, man, you don't want to miss Sunday nights. That's two more. That's five hours on Sunday. And then you're like, man, you know what? I feel pumped up from yesterday's message. So I'm going to pray every day for seven days, at least five minutes, because I got the Bible app. And at least I got one scripture that's going to pop out. So you read that Bible verse at least five minutes, like, all right, cool, cool. That's 35 minutes in a, in a week. And then you'd be like, you know what? I, feel, I mean, I feel good this week, so I'm going to come on Wednesdays. That's an hour and a half. And then you pray right before you eat. And if you're like me, you eat a lot, so you pray a lot. Let's say you pray for five minutes a day in between snacks and meals. That's 35 minutes. So in total, you have seven hours and 10 minutes. Seven hours. But you got 168 during a week. So you're telling you're devoted to God, you're pursuing God with seven hours? What happened to the 160? Ah, please put it that way. Well, yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, you're not, now, now you're getting technical, Jerry. Are you ready in the pursuit of Jesus or not? Pursuing means chasing after. That means nobody else has their attention. And if you have, you're dating or you're married and you have someone that you know is pursuing you, nobody else has their attention. They're solid. They're locked on you, man. They respect you. They love you. You don't have to worry about it. If they're alone or not by themselves. That you know they love you. If you're in pursuit of Jesus, 
Seven hours is not enough. Because I don't know. I don't know about you, but I need more than a snack to fill me up. You can just get this here and go on your week and go, man, I'm filled with God. This here is just an appetizer. If you're in a pursuit with God, miracles will happen. But if you're not in a pursuit of God, you can't fool yourself. You can come to church all those seven hours and think you're good, and that's just holy hands, man. But pure heart goes beyond that. Goes beyond of what people can see. And the last thing as we read that verse there is that when we flee our flee, it says that along with those who are called on the Lord, along with those who call on the Lord, along with those who call on the Lord. That means you're not by yourself. You have to be in a tribe. You have to be in a community. You have to be with those that have the same love for Jesus. In order for you to stay purity, you need to be held accountable. You need to tell someone what you're struggling. <laughs> it's like, and obviously, you know, I'm not on a diet, but people that go on a diet, you don't tell anybody you're going on a diet. Then who's going to hold you accountable? If I tell my wife, hey, babe, you know what? Um, yeah, clothes ain't fitting very well. I gotta, I gotta stop eating. If I don't tell her that, she's not gonna tell me to stop going to the fridge every five minutes. She's gonna try to help me. Go, hey, Jerry, you need to stop. You can't do this, man. Because you said you wanted to change. See, purity is fleeing from sin. Don't get too close that you're going to fall. It's not just a destination you arrive. It's in a pursuit of Jesus. And you do it in community. You do it with other people that are broken. You do it with other people that, are, that fall short of the glory of God. But in that humility, we come to God's presence and we go, man, God, I can't do it. I need to stop being fake. I need to stop pretending. I need to stop telling people that I'm okay. And I need to belong in a group, in a place where I can find redemption. In a place where we can pray for each other and allow the Holy Spirit to come and consume me and change me from the inside out. See, church needs to become a place where people are being healed constantly. Church needs to become a place where I come with my brokenness, allowing God the Savior to heal me 
and the people next to you were there to support. Telling you, man, I, I came in broken and with the past. But you'll be okay. You're gonna be all right. See, church needs to become a place where we're gonna ask for prayer is because we're gonna expect God to move radically in our lives, because he will. See, this time right now is gonna be what we call the altar call, right? It's, it's what we pray for you. But an altar is where you sacrifice something. If you want to surrender something, this is the time. And we wanna pray for you. And I know my God will heal you. I know my God will change you. And I know my God will love you regardless of what you bring to the altar. Because that's what he does. He brings life from ashes. He restores things, make things new. So we're going to pray for you. We're going to pray for your relationship. If you're right here tonight, say, man, I don't want to give my life to Christ. I don't know God. I have a bunch of bags. I have things in my life. And I just want to give everything to Jesus. You don't got to tell me anything. You don't got to tell the people around you anything. You just raise up your hand and go, man, I want to, I want to give my life to Christ right now. Then we want to pray for you. If you want to pray for your, if you are single, you're like, man, I'm single. Uh, I, man, I don't know what to do. Man, I got all these things going on in my heart. Man, but I want God to forgive me. Give me ready for what he has for me in the future. We want to pray for you. If you're dating right now, and you just want a blessing over your dating life. Man, God, I want God to protect my relationships that we want to pray for you. If you're married and, hey, man, God, you know what, God, I'm, 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 I'm doing life with someone. We want to pray for you. This moment, though, is whatever you're going to bring to God, I have faith he's going to answer. So we're going to stand up, church. We're going to sing a song. We're going to pray. We're going to ask God to meet us right now where you find yourself. Single, dating, or married. Wherever you find yourself, purity is so important in your life. Because you cannot walk in God's presence without being pure. And you cannot be pure without God's presence. Heavenly Father, as tonight we pray, and tonight we search your heart, and as tonight we want to get ready because I know you will do great things within our lives, and I know you're going to do great things within our relationships, and I know you're going to do great things in our single life. You're going to do great things with our marriages, and you're going to do great things in our church. You're going to do great things all around us. We do not want to be a generation that just pretends to be okay. We're done pretending. We're done being fake. We're done allowing people to think that we have it all together. Tonight, we acknowledge that we are so far from you. And there's, there's still chains inside of us. 
that need to be broken. But at this point, I don't really care anymore. I just want to be set free. At this point, God, I don't care who's around me. I want to be okay with you. So God, as we are in your presence, if someone today is going to make a decision to give their life to Christ, to change, to surrender, so they can be blessed in their relationship, God, I pray that you answer. And if they need someone to walk right by their side, and they need someone, and they need prayer, God, I, I, I just pray for that courage for them to raise their hands. And we'll pray. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.